Sadly, the person who's running the executive branch is a deranged, unhinged, dangerous president of the United States. I'm Damian Bolwa. And I'm Joe Garofoli. And welcome to another joint episode of Fifth and Mission and It's All Political. Joe, another unbelievable day in Washington. It is, and things are moving very quickly towards impeachment. Um, it's the, the Democrats are on the fast track here. But they're not getting a lot of Republican help. Republicans were very upset about what happened last week in the nation's capital, but that's not translating for now into an impeachment vote. All right. And as we speak, Nancy Pelosi is making moves. She was on 60 Minutes on Sunday. She has called Trump deranged, unhinged, and dangerous. And we are going to have Tal Copen on the show. She is the Chronicle's Washington correspondent. We're going to ask her all about the latest on possible impeachment. Well, let's go to that conversation right now with Tall Copen. Tall, how are you? I'm okay, holding up. What is the latest in Washington, Tall? Well, all signs point to uh, vote this week to impeach the president in the House. Uh, that's where the Democratic caucus seems to be headed. There's some suggestions that uh, they'll get some Republicans on board. Uh, not a large number, but at the same time, any is a significant number at the same time. And uh, it appears from there that the Senate will not move uh, before Joe Biden's inauguration day, but it will uh, will potentially uh, still force the Senate to act even after. So uh, those things are still being considered, but uh, there's a pretty quick movement in the House to, to get that vote straight to the floor, no hearings, uh, fairly rapid debate to just have that vote. And why do it if it if it doesn't end before the inauguration? Well, uh, you know, if you talk to Democratic members of Congress, they say this isn't a political calculation. This is an existential one. I mean, this is an urgent one to them. They think that there's arguably nothing that has more clearly violated the Constitution and the president's oath of office. And it is both a moral imperative and an urgent need to take the vote and remove him from office. Nancy Pelosi on 60 Minutes on Sunday night talked about that in her interview with Leslie Stahl. Let's take a listen. I think there was a, a universally accepted that what happened was a terrible, terrible violation of what of the Capitol, of the, the first branch of government, the, the legislative branch, by the President of the United States. You know, I've been speaking with some members today, members of Congress today, who said the first impeachment, there was foot dragging because there was this sort of, what if the Senate doesn't take it up, and, and these political calculations about timing and, and the optics of the hearing, whereas this time, Members are saying, you know, this is something that has to be done. Let's let's get it done. And uh, then it's up to the Senate uh, what they want to do with it. Tal, do we get any sense that there are the votes in the Senate to uh, to, to impeach the, the president, uh, to, to convict him, I should say? Um, they would need, Democrats would need, what, about six, 16 Republicans 17, to join them? Yeah. The, 17, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this today, no, it doesn't seem to be some doesn't seem to be the case. You know, it, the other piece of this that I didn't mention to Damien's last question, uh, 
is there is a constitutional question whether even if the Senate convicts after Trump leaves office, if that's still considered a valid impeachment conviction, the advantage of that being that one of the constitutional allowable penalties of impeachment is not just removal from office, but disqualification from holding further office. So if the Senate were to move after uh, Joe Biden was inaugurated, Democrats are making the case that they could then, if he's convicted afterwards, take a majority, simple majority vote, not the two-thirds vote required for uh, actual um, conviction on impeachment, but then a simple majority vote, they could disqualify Trump from ever holding office again. Uh, at the moment, there, there appears to be a handful of Republicans in the Senate who have called on Trump to resign and therefore may be open to convicting him on impeachment. Uh, but certainly we have not seen anywhere close to 17 of them, which would hit that two-thirds margin if all Democrats vote the same. And isn't there the concern that, that the longer Democrats wait, this, this, particularly in the Senate vote, that um, as it, as is all things, uh, it, when we ever have a crisis, uh, you know, memories fade. We we are moving on to other things, and the Republican, uh, uh, you know, anger towards Trump uh, as it is now will dissipate, and there might be very few, if any, votes for him. It's possible. Uh, you know, the the House seems to be moving forward this week. They were supposed to not have any votes this week. They have called members back. Uh, the first thing they will do is vote to ask uh, Vice President Mike Pence to invoke the 25th Amendment, which is a um, series of steps that the vice president in conjunction with the cabinet can go through to uh, immediately declare the president unfit, or I'm sorry, unable to uh, continue as, as president, and then the vice president becomes acting president. So the first step, they'll be, they'll be calling on Mike Pence to do that. They'll give him 24 hours, and then they'll move forward with impeachment. Now, over on the Senate side, uh, Majority Leader Mitch McConnell says that the way that they have adopted the rules for this Senate, because the Senate is not scheduled to be in session again until the 19th, which is the day before Joe Biden is inaugurated, it would take 100% consent of senators to move into impeachment before the 19th. And that is not likely to occur. So you know, it's almost a certainty at this point that the Senate will not act before the 20th or 21st. Of course, Inauguration Day is the 20th. So already the the cooling off period is likely to exist as you as you put it out. I will say, you know, the difference here is, and I think one of the reasons you see such a different reaction to this event than others that some may say, you know, Trump has has been pushing this type of activity for a while now, it was sort of in plain sight. There are many who say, this this is your line. Where, where were you any of these other times? What makes this one so different is that the Republicans themselves experienced this. You know, they were the ones hiding in a safe room, sitting on the Senate floor as protesters banged on the door, wondering where the heck is the National Guard, seeing reports that the the Defense Department was not authorizing the, the National Guard to go in and help. You know, the vice president was there with them. There is a very sense of, of personal grievance in this that is a little bit different than sort of a political transgression where you're shocked and dismayed and then you move on. Uh, you know, I've had conversations today as well about 
the trauma of this event that many of us in Washington, including those of us like myself who were not actually physically present, but have spent so much time in the Capitol building, uh, feeling safe, expecting to be safe there, you know, who know so many people who work there in various facets from the lawmakers to the staff, to the cleaning staff, to the Capitol Police, there's a very personal connection that comes with uh, this attack having taken place. And I don't know if those feelings will fade in, in 10 days' time. All right, I want to take a quick break. We'll be right back on this joint episode of Fifth Admission and It's All Political. Welcome back to this joint episode of Fifth Admission and It's All Political. I'm Joe Garofoli. And I'm Damian Bulwa. And we are back with Tal Copen. She's our Washington correspondent. I, I have a question for you both because we've talked a lot about the calculations that Republicans have been making when they decide whether to do a big vote for or against President Trump in these situations. Are there any Republicans who would prefer that Trump be cleared away from that 2024 presidential field? <laughs> And would admit it. <laughs> uh, well, they don't have to admit it. They could just they could just make the vote. I mean, uh, well, then it becomes almost more fraught for them because the ones who could be perceived there's there's many GOP senators known to have 2024 ambitions. And before last week's events, I had had conversations with other Republicans about how they were going to, you know, they were not going to want to be frozen for four years while Trump pursues another term. I mean, you're, you're talking about the sen senators like Tom Cotton, uh, like Josh Hawley, Hawley, even Ted Cruz, young, younger Republican senators who have had their eyes on the presidency for some time, they are not going to want to sit on the sidelines for the next four years and wait for Donald Trump to potentially serve even another four years before they get their chance to run. So there were already folks waiting in the wings. Now, it becomes trickier for them if they could potentially be seen as voting to disqualify a political opponent for political reasons. And this is one of the concerns that reportedly Adam Schiff raised in the uh, in a Democratic caucus call last week, uh, Nancy Pelosi asked Adam Schiff, who supports impeaching the president, to sort of lay out the various considerations, the constitutional processes, the pros and cons. And one of the things he mentioned is the optics of Democrats potentially, after Joe Biden is inaugurated, then voting to disqualify what some see as Joe Biden's main candidate against him in 2024. So in some ways, those political calculations actually make it harder for people to vote. Um, that said, I think they, anyone would come back and say they're, they're making a constitutional vote, not a political one. Right. But the, yes, absolutely. But the, and there are political considerations for those Republicans, uh, who, who may want to run for president because Remember, they they don't want to alienate that that Republican base, which is still very fond of the president. Um, so if they're seen as you know they would they would much prefer that a, a Trump leave office on his own, uh, so they wouldn't have any responsibility to 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 take a vote on this, or b uh, they they find seventeen other uh, Republicans not named uh, Ted Cruz or Hawley or uh, Tom Cotton to take those votes, and and when you're looking I, the. Story I'm working on, it'll be in uh, on sfchronicle.com by the time you hear this, 
is about what California Republicans are going to do, many of them representing um, battleground areas. And I was talking with uh, the, the county chair in Orange County, uh, arguably one of the foremost uh, battlefield uh, regions of the country. And he doesn't expect any of the Republicans down there to uh, to take uh, to, to vote against um, or I'm sorry, to vote for impeachment. Um, and look at the look at the poll that was out by Quinnipiac, Quinnipiac University today. Eighty one percent of Republicans uh want the don't want the president removed uh they they there's so there's support for the president there's support for members of congress who vote against impeachment they this poll showed the republicans but they, they are essentially blaming those who stormed the capitol those actual people uh to be punished in some way but they don't hold the president responsible they don't hold their member of congress responsible for the votes they took to certify the election and other things so it's, uh, there's a disconnect there. And uh, for now, the Republican base is exonerating the president. And there's there's one other factor we should mention, um, which is the cha-ching of the cash register. And today, and you know, in, in recent hours, we're seeing uh, several major donors uh, saying that they will no longer uh, offer any political donations to anyone who has already voted against certification in the electoral electoral college vote you know if that became a serious movement and there were enough corporations and corporate PACs and funding sources of republicans that started to say you know what we can't donate to someone who doesn't you know uphold the constitution in in their words that could change some minds pretty quickly uh as much as politicians like to pretend they're not motivated by their wallets oh they're they're very motivated by their wallets especially if they're gonna run a a nationwide campaign or even a a big statewide one i think what a lot of people are wondering is what the next couple of weeks look like and in san francisco on monday morning there was a a planned rally a a a pro-trump rally that was supposed to happen outside the twitter headquarters it did not materialize there were some counter protesters People are really scared about what the next couple of weeks are looking like. I wonder if you guys have any sense. I mean, what are we going to see in the next two weeks? What are the politics going to be like? Is there a lot of fear of, about additional um, actions by some of these uh, people who are fighting against the election result? Yes. <laughs> to answer your last question, yes, there's a lot of fear. Uh, I just saw a statement from um, Homeland Security, the, the acting secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, that they've now begun the what's called a national security event, uh, which is what inauguration is. They've begun it on January 13th instead of January 19th. Uh, that status allows certain levels of high high level planning, federal agency coordination for law enforcement and security prep. I'm going to interrupt here. You just heard Tall refer to the acting secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. Just a few minutes after we finished recording, Wolf announced his resignation. Okay, let's get back to Tall. I was out near the Capitol today, and you can still see lots of boarded up windows. At the same time, people are going to work. People are going about their business. You know, I think part, there are many, many factors in why there was such a stunning failure of security at the Capitol last week. And some of it can be a discussion about systemic racism. Some of it can be a discussion about, you know, various 
failures of intelligence or imagination. One of them, though, one factor is that a lot of times we see what you just described at Twitter, Twitter headquarters is you get a lot of bluster and two or three people show up with signs and shout and everything blows over. And, you know, certainly Capitol Police are no stranger to making arrests, but they're used to protesters who sort of make a scene. And then when it's time for the arrest, they sort of sit down and they're handcuffed and rounded up. And many of them came there intending to get arrested. And it was part of the civil disobedience. I mean, there's there's historically been a culture or a, a history of things blowing over or not being it being all talk online. I think what's so scary about what happened last week is that it was proof that for some of these people, it is not all talk. And uh, hopefully the FBI is now taking seriously some of the threats that we had all seen on the public facing internet and had been written about, taking them as if they could very well come to fruition, uh, perhaps unfortunately too late. And there are some uh, right-wing groups uh, planning to hold rallies uh, both in the nation's capital and in state capitals around the country on January 17th. I believe that's Sunday. Um, so that's uh, that's on everybody's radar now. And uh, those events are being taken a lot more seriously uh, in light of uh, what happened a couple, a couple days ago. All right, guys. Well, let's leave it there. This has been a joint episode of Fifth and Mission, and it's all political. We'd like to thank you all for listening and hope that you and your families are safe and healthy. Thanks to our guest today, Washington correspondent Tal Copen, to King Kaufman for producing this episode, and thank you for listening. <laughs>